0: Uh, in just a moment, um, I'm going to be in Luke uh, chapter 2. Uh, if you don't mind opening your Bibles there. I'm going to kind of open us with a prayer just for focus, both for myself and, and hopefully for us as we uh, come to some passages of Scripture that are, are just incredibly uh, beautiful and sacred. So let's go ahead and come before uh, God at this time. Uh, my Father, I, um, I ask that you give us focus, uh, God, that we would approach your throne of grace, um, and that we would recognize uh, the message behind the songs that we sing, uh, God, that you would instill us with a greater vision and greater wisdom to show us who Jesus is, what he means, and what his birth means in, in our lives. I pray that you would bless your word uh, to our hearts and our minds this morning. It's in Christ we pray, amen. You know, Luke chapter 2, um, beginning in verse 8 in just a moment, but uh, this morning, if you weren't here for class, it was, uh, it was so appropriate to what we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. Um, we're, we're in the book of Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is kind of, a, it's kind of a dark psalm. It is a psalm, three chapters long, and, and uh, just so full of just this, God, what's going on? What's happening? How can all this disaster be coming in our lives and in this world? And God responds saying, I'm coming. I'm coming with justice in my left hand and with grace in my right, basically, is the answer uh, to his prayer. But I am coming to you. But in the middle of this book is this verse that says, God is in his holy temple. Let all of the earth be silent before him. God is present, right? Um, A couple of years ago. I was uh, preparing for a Christmas series sermon, and I was putting images together, and that's what I do when I feel like my mind isn't working, and I'm just going to work on the slides right now, and and all of a sudden, I came across a slide that looked like this one, Um, and and, and something hit me, and I was thinking, man, I'm going to have to sleep on this, but is my imagination going nuts right now, or am I looking at a picture of the tabernacle? Is, Is this really something, is there something bigger going on here and I saw this and I was like just for a second I saw the tabernacle and I saw the the ark of the covenant and the cherubim covering the mercy seat and I realized what what was happening in Jesus birth do you remember the gifts that the wise men brought gold frankincense myrrh did you know that those gifts are only mentioned one other time in the entire bible in the same chapter it's the consecration of the ark of the covenant it's the only time these these things are mentioned together, gold and frankincense and myrrh. In fact, it was in Exodus 30, this was an incense that you brought before the Lord that was called sort of a forbidden incense. You could only bring it before the Lord. You couldn't burn it in any other. In, in fact, it says in Exodus 30, if anybody burned this outside of worship to the Lord, that they would be banned from the community of Israel. It was that kind of an incense. And, and it was brought before the ark. And what did the ark represent? God's tabernacling among his people. God had come and set his presence among his people and they celebrated that event. And then I saw this image, this silhouette, and I realized in the birth of Christ, God had turned a manger into an ark. He had turned a cave or a barn, if you will, into a holy of holies. The angels are descending upon it. People that are, are of, in, in their society considered worthless. A peasant girl. God comes and shows that she's the most blessed woman to ever live on this planet. That she has been chosen by God and that she is sacred. The, the shepherds that are in, in, in the verses today the shepherds were considered the lowest class among anyone. They weren't even permitted in Jewish culture to cast votes. They weren't part of society. They were just shepherds. Even though, how about this? These shepherds are shepherding the exact same fields. Right here? The exact same fields that David shepherded. I mean, he was a shepherd in these exact same fields. They're a part of it. That's what's happening in these verses. Let's go ahead and open... Um, uh, with verse 8, uh, this is what we've looked at so far this month. Zechariah sung a song called Benedictus. It spoke of Christ as the dawn of light shining on those in darkness. Simeon sang a song um, as a light that in, spoke of Christ as a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Mary sang a song to the God who exalted the humble. One constant theme in every single song. It's also the theme of the imagery you're seeing here. God has chosen the humble. He's chosen the lowly. He's chosen a peasant girl, the shepherds, and the Gentiles are the three groups that you're going to see come to Christ. This is who he's come to. And it's the message of every single Psalm, uh, song that we're seeing here. Verse 8 says this, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Um, I don't know what angels are. I'm the last person you should ever ask about angels. I know nothing. I know that there's one called Michael that might represent Christ. There's one called Gabriel in the book of Daniel. We know that angels leveled civilizations, uh, wiped out, um, an entire army of Assyria and in the book of Isaiah. Um, what did they look like? I have no idea. If they looked like anything, I have no idea. But they represent the myriad of the host of heaven that, that Peter describes as anxiously looking into the plan of salvation that God has ordained for his people. And these angels appear and it says they're terrified. In Greek, it's a really cool phrase. It's megaphobophoba. It means it's, it's, it really is and it's pronounced nothing like that, but it's, it's, it is scared, scared mega is the Greek that is used for what they are. So whatever it is, man, terrified, absolutely quaking, shaking, terrified at what they're witnessing right now. I'm in the presence of God, and I don't even deserve to be in the presence of men, is how these, these, these shepherds must have felt. It goes on and says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Now, whenever you see the word sign in the Gospels, particularly, let's say, in the book of John, sign is a miracle that meant something. It has a message. There's something behind it. What is the sign? A baby is inside of a feeding trough. Okay, we're talking about Bethlehem. Do you know what the word Bethlehem means? House of bread. So in this town called House of Bread that was David's town, there's going to be a feeding trough and a baby lying inside of it. And this isn't simply a miracle. This is a sign to you. I'm demonstrating something to you. I'm showing something to you. So they're going to come and they're going to see this baby lying in a feeding trough. And this is supposed to say something about God. It goes on and says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Peace. Uh, that is a difficult word. In the time of, uh, of Christ, when this is written, a king is about to go out and slaughter children. We're talking about a nation that has been at war in Jerusalem, name meaning God's peace, is one of the most violent his- cities in the history of this planet. And in the region of Jerusalem and Bethlehem, in a violent time and a violent place, in a time where a king is going to kill children, a message of peace. And this time of year, broken relationships, tight finances a stressful job and a contentious home how about just driving between those two places political rage health concerns disappointments and worry are what are consuming most of us to To sleep at night at all. Some of you would give anything to know what eight hours of sleep looks like. But to sleep in peace. With your mind not raging about what's going on in your life. A woman who is pregnant in a barn. Is given a message of peace. And a time where babies are being killed. A message of peace And it doesn't make sense. In 1814, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, one of the most ruthless and adept um, dictators in Europe's history, invaded Austria, and Austria and um, Napoleon Bonaparte, France, were at war. It was in that year that a church was organizing a Christmas Eve service. Um, it's, it's here in, um, my German is about as good as my French, Oberndorf and Arnsdorf, Austria. Now, if you live in a place that looks like Narnia, you have, you have the expectation that you're going to have a decent Christmas service. He's stressing over Christmas, this minister, and he's like, I have to put together a Christmas service. And of course, in a place like this, uh, this is this is actually the church in which this song was written. Um, yes, there's an expectation that your Christmas service is going to be decent. He's putting this together, and he doesn't know what to do. The town's going to gather for a service. The nation's at war with Napoleon Bonaparte. And he goes to his friend. This is Joseph Moore, and he goes to his friend Franz Gruber, and he brings the words to "Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. Holy night, silent night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent night, holy night, shepherds quake at the sight. Glories stream from heaven afar. Heavenly hosts sing hallelujah. Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night. Son of God, love's pure light. Radiant beams from your holy face. With the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, it's your birth. Jesus, Lord, it's your birth. Birth. The crazy thing is written just a short time apart from the song, O oh Holy Night, um, one written in France. The other written in Austria. Two nations that had been at war. A very similar story. Christmas Eve service. The minister needs to have music to his psalm. It, it, part of this is, is that their church organ had just been destroyed by a flood. He had to find somebody else. To, he had to put this together. It was a big deal. And as a town, they came together and sang Silent Night in the midst of war for the first time. Time, God with us, holy, tender, and mild are adjectives used to describe God. Tender and mild, love's pure light, the dawn of redeeming grace, sleep in heavenly peace. And I've, I've had this question, I asked Melinda this morning because I was confused. Um, I used to think that this was a lullaby being sung to Jesus as though there's a baby and you're trying to put him to sleep, and I'm singing this song, Jesus Sleep in Peace. And I realize I don't think that's the intent of the song. The song is about the significance of the birth of the Savior. You can sleep in peace knowing that he is Lord. You can sleep in peace knowing that he has come and for what reason, he, for what reason he's come. I thought about this in the circumstances that I'd be delivering a message like this today. The people who I was speaking to, the difficulties that are happening in our own homes, often in our own relationships. How do I speak about peace and not let it just be some sort of abstract concept? How do I make that a reality in my own life, the lives of others? I thought if Jesus really wanted to bring peace, he didn't need to part the Red Sea, they could have avoided it altogether. They didn't need to be in the desert for 40 years. He could have stopped that from happening. He never had to plant the tree in the garden in the first place for us to choose sin. He could have delivered Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael from the fire. I think about all the things that we say, well, I have peace, but God could have made circumstances differently. And you know what? I saw one common thread through Scripture. God doesn't typically grant peace outside of the storm. He grants peace through the storm. He led Hanani, Azariah, and Mishael through the fire and stood with them. He led Israel through a sea and stood with them. He led nations through captivity and his presence went with them. But in every circumstance, they had peace in the midst of trial, not peace outside of trial. It's a common thread in Scripture. And I think about... What this means, when it, Paul writes to, in Philippians, may the peace of God, how about this blessing on us? May the peace of God that transcends an understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says again in, in Colossians 3, let God's peace rule in your hearts. I think about this song, Silent Night, the circumstances that it was written in. I think about Luke chapter 2 and the circumstances in which the angels said, peace on all of those on whom God's favor rests. And before I close this in a prayer, I want you to think one more time about who those people were. A peasant girl. foreign, uh, Foreign dignitaries. Um, Shepherds Those that are not esteemed by society Those that do not think much of their lives Those probably living in great fear and stress God says my favor rests on you My grace has fallen on you You are those that I've chosen I want to pray a prayer of peace And I want to ask you to join me in this prayer I'm asking for a prayer of peace in our church I'm asking um, for a prayer of peace in our families uh, sometimes spending too much time with family can be difficult. Um, praying a prayer of peace just in, in our lives with our health and our finances and everything going on in our government, we need to experience God's peace. And it's not outside of those things. It's in those things that we need to experience peace. Regardless of what you're facing right now, regardless of what it is. And some of the people in this room are carrying incredibly large burdens. Burdens that I can't even identify with. I can't, I can't understand. But God's peace is a reality, not simply a feeling. Um, one time, just, just to kind of drive this point home, I like to tell this story. Uh, one time when I was young... Um, we had a a gunfight in our church building. Shotguns and all this other stuff. Um, I was living in South America. And we were given the responsibility um, to guard the church building, the different guys that lived down there. And we did it by ourselves. Um, And so one night I was at our church building and our church building was protected by nine different locks Two iron gates, a wooden door, and nine locks separating me from the street. Iron bars on all of our church windows. Um, It felt like it would be a secure place. So what did I do? I'm scared of ghosts. I'm not scared of people. So I am terrified to be in this old building at night, locked in. Uh, We were given a shotgun, but we didn't have ammunition in it because we're kids, and I hate guns. And so I have a shotgun with no ammo and I'm watching a Christmas carol or some kind of movie by a fire inside the church building. And I get a phone call at about midnight. And and the phone call, it was at one of our, one of the missionaries that lived in Quito and he said, Jeff, uh, you didn't turn the lights off upstairs, you drove by the church building or something like that. It was like midnight. I don't know why he was calling that late. And I said, I turned off all the lights. I said, I promise you I did. And, uh, as soon as I said that, I heard footsteps above me in the next level. I could hear somebody walking around. And I said, you need to call the police immediately. And he said, no, I need you to go check on it. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> you need to call the police right now. And, um, sure enough, somebody who was in the building with guns and they had broken in through the upstairs somehow. Um, they had sawn through the bars. I remember I went and, and, um, uh, There was a back door. I couldn't escape the building because there's all these locks between me and getting out of the building, so I am locked in. But I went outside, and and there was an area of the building that we were tearing down, and there was some rubble, and I crawled under a big piece of cement. And uh, I just laid there and waited until the police came. And I remember laying there and hearing footsteps walking around me. And um, it was the police, but I didn't know it. And so I just laid there in silence because I didn't know what was on the outside. Now, I had no peace. But my circumstances, there was nothing but peace. They were gone, and what was around me were the police, and I didn't know it until I had the guts to kind of peek out. Um, And I tell that story just because I like to tell the story. It's crazy. But also because, drive this point home, um, in our classes on Wednesdays, we've been talking about subjects like hope and peace. And I realize that words like hope, they're verbs, but they're also nouns. They, they can serve as adjectives. It, 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 it can be something you have, even when you don't feel it. It can be something that God has given you, even when you're not necessarily experiencing it. And those of you that are facing serious illness and sick sicknesses, diseases, hurt, pain, and conflict, Jesus Christ has already granted peace in all of these areas. He has already brought peace home. I don't always feel that peace. I don't always experience that peace. But there will come a day when we're going to look back on this and say, Christ gave us victory through it all. And in this feeding trough, in which a baby is lying as a sign to the shepherds, he's lying as a sign to us, he has granted us peace. And I ask that peace over your homes this week. Uh, Father, I just want to come before you, and I, I want to lift up, Father, those that have had conflict in their lives, in their minds, God, that um, the unrest that comes from broken relationships, from hurt, from pain, uh, God, you... You give us peace in the midst of the storm. You stand with with us in the middle of the fire. And I praise you, Father, for your humility and your love to, to come and to be part of us. To experience the pains that we experience. To experience the tests that we experience. To show, Father, that you are in the fire with us. And I pray, God, that miraculously somehow you would grant peace. To us, in the midst of our storms, I ask your blessing on those in this town that you have chosen among the poor, among the hurting, among the outcasts, among those that are of not that don 't dress the same that some of us do. I pray God that, as you did then today, you will exalt and you will honor those that you have chosen that you love and I pray, as your body, we would treat people with the same vision, that we would not honor people that society honors, but we would honor those that you choose to honor. Um, I pray that you'd instill in us the mindset to honor everyone as better than ourselves. In the name of Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship our Father.